You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Optimizing Outcomes in Chronic Care, an examination of current issues and best practices in the management of chronic conditions. Optimizing Outcomes in Chronic Care is sponsored by the Managed Markets Team at Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host is William Anderson, Director of Pharmaceutical Services at Health First Health Plans, Rockledge, Florida. William Anderson, PharmD, MBA, is a member of the Chronic Care Collaborative Advisory Board, which is an initiative of Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Patients are assuming a more active role in caring for their own health, which can make a big impact in the management of chronic conditions. How can physicians and health plans effectively engage with patients and encourage health literacy, the goal of improving outcomes? Our guests today are Dr. Ruth Parker, Professor of Medicine at Emory University School of Medicine and Epidemiologist at Emory University School of Public Health, and Dr. Matthew Winya, Director of the Institute for Ethics at the American Medical Association. Welcome, Dr. Winya. That's nice to be here. And Dr. Parker. Hi. If you could tell me some of the consequences of miscommunication in medicine, including all forms of communication, we're talking written, verbal, in person, over the phone, via computer, some of the consequences of miscommunication or errors in communicating. You know, it's almost difficult to uh, frame an answer to that question because it seems so obvious. In point of fact, almost everything we do in medical practice relies on effective, clear communication with the patient, with the patient's family. It's particularly important, of course, when you're dealing with increasing prevalence of chronic diseases and conditions where the patient really has to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and why it's important and so on. So the consequences of miscommunication range from minor missteps and miscommunications that may simply delay or make less effective treatment to terrible mistakes and errors, which can easily lead to patient morbidity and mortality. And we've certainly got a number of studies that have looked at miscommunication problems, but I think the most powerful stories are probably the individual stories that all of us have from times when, you know, a patient is admitted and it's not entirely clear that they understood the instructions from their doctor at the clinic or the last time they were admitted, and that's why they're back in the hospital. You can't find a doctor who is not capable of remembering a number of those kinds of stories. So the question of how important is communication to medicine is almost impossible to answer because communication is medicine. The doctor-patient relationship, the entire interaction rests on effective communication. Absolutely. And suffice to say, I think that we have some opportunities for improvement. Would you say there's any particular method of communication or tool that you use that seems to be more effective? Or would you say there's no one-size-fits-all kind of approach and you have to tailor it to each individual patient? I would say that there is not a single tool, but probably the biggest gap in terms of communication is on the listening side. So if I were speaking to a group of physicians, I often emphasize taking the time, and time is a precious commodity, of course, but taking the time to make sure that you give the patient the opportunity to explain why they're there and what it is that they hope to get out of the encounter that day. So much of what we focus on when we teach physicians and others about health communication has to do with what it is we say or what comes out or the content that we, quote, reveal in our encounters with patients or more broadly in pieces about health systems, health information, you know, the multiple brochures and all the stuff. We spend a lot of time focusing on what it is that we put out. And I think in the clinical environment where time is money, 
I think many clinicians feel like they're doing their diligence. They're doing what they're supposed to do to cram in as much as they can in the amount of time they have and hope, I think sincerely hope, that people understand it and know what to do when they get home. The sad thing, and I think what we've learned sort of from now the last couple of decades of folks looking very specifically within health literacy and saying, what do the actual patients or people who need this information actually understand about what it is they need to do? To do that, we have to ask them and we have to listen to their answers. I agree. I think communication can be very tough. It's something we kind of take for granted sometimes. And do you have any recommendations if a patient gets home and they are confused or they maybe misheard or don't remember something that you provided to them or for them? Where would they go to get clarifications? Do they call your office? How does that work? Well, I think that's incredibly important, you know, and I've heard people sort of have a wonderful conversation about if there's one message we could get out to every patient, what would it actually be? If there really is one message that I could give to every patient, it would be, if you're confused or don't understand, you're not alone. It is incredibly hard to be a patient in our current healthcare system. It's incredibly hard to know what it is you need to be doing. It's incredibly hard to know where you go for trusted and reliable information that's actionable. Sometimes you can find volumes of information, but what patients are telling us is it doesn't necessarily tell you exactly what to do. It just tells you a lot about it. And at the end of the day, what patients want to know is what do I need to do for my health? So I think all of us on every level need to become an active part of creating a health system and a health care system that actually meets our patients where they are and encourages questions and encourages those of us who are providing health and health care to come to common meaning with the people who need it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Optimizing Outcomes in Chronic Care on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. William Anderson. Our guests today are Dr. Ruth Parker, Professor of Medicine at the Emory University School of Medicine and Epidemiologist at the Emory University School of Public Health, and Dr. Matthew Winia, Director of the Institute for Ethics at the American Medical Association. We're discussing health literacy and the importance of effective communications with patients. Getting back to where we left off, if one of you could define for me, what is health literacy and how important is health literacy towards reaching the goal of effective communications between patients and physicians? It basically has to do with the ability to obtain, interpret, understand, and act on health information and all that goes with that. And I think one of the most important things now is to realize that it's not just how many people can and cannot, but it's a dynamic definition that really should encourage us also to say, what are we actually doing to present people with the information that they can understand and act on? Dr. Winnie, I was going to ask you, I think you've done some work with America's health insurance plans and the AMA working to advance health literacy. Can you talk about that a little bit? The thing that is most interesting to me about how health literacy has evolved in terms of the way people think about it is it started out sort of looking at the patient and health literacy was defined around what the patient is able to do. And then it moved out a little bit to the interaction between the patient and the clinician. And is that communication effectively conveying information? And that's where you start seeing discussions around teach back and the notion that the only way to know whether the patient understood you is to have the patient repeat back to you whatever the instruction was that the patient has been given. Other than that, just asking, do you understand, we quickly learned was not an effective way of finding out whether the patient understood because sometimes patients think they understand and in fact they don't or they don't understand but they don't want to admit that and so they'll say yes even though there is still some confusion in their minds. 
So that was a small expansion from health literacy is just what the patient can do to health literacy encompasses that relationship and how effectively communication is being transmitted from one person to the other, and in both directions, by the way. And now we're starting to look also at the idea that health literacy can be affected by the environment in which communications take place, that there are organizational factors in the clinic, in the hospital, that can make it easier or much harder for effective communication to take place. And that's where our work is really focused. Over the last few years, we've been uh, looking at hospitals and clinics nationwide with a very diverse group of organizations from the Joint Commission and the Nurses Association to business groups on health and obviously the AMA and patient groups and so on but trying to discern what are the organizational factors that will make communication more effective and can we measure how organizations are doing at addressing those organizational factors. And there are a number of factors we look at across organizations. There are nine different factors, but one of them is health literacy and the literacy environment and whether the organization has done a good job of creating an environment in which the needs of lower literacy patients will will be more likely to be met. Interestingly, we've recently completed some studies looking at the performance of organizations on those scores, on their literacy scores, and it turns out that if you score a little bit higher on your organization's ability to deal with the needs of people with inadequate literacy, you will have about a 40% greater chance that patients will say they're getting high-quality care from your organization. We've also looked at levels of trust in the organization and organizations that create a more communication-friendly, if you will, environment that are better at communicating have much higher levels of patient trust in the organization. So we're starting to draw links between addressing literacy as a functional issue for the patient and what they can assimilate and use with regard to health information and where organizations are at and what they need to do in order to improve patients' experiences within the healthcare setting. And if you do a good job in your organization, it will pay off in terms of better patient satisfaction scores and higher patient trust in your organization. Trust has also been correlated with some financial implications. People who trust their healthcare institution are less likely to change institutions. They're more likely to follow up. They're more likely to adhere to the therapy they receive and so on. What is the role that uh, managed care plans may have in improving information clarity and health literacy and or you know, communication between the physician and the payer or the patient? There are different levels at which literacy can be addressed. The health plan is sort of a meta level. So the things where a health plan is going to be able to really make an impact is in developing what you might call meta messaging, materials that can be given to a wide, broad swath of people with a certain condition, for example. And the health plan is in a very good position to do solid work and try and figure out what's the best way to message this or that piece of information so that it's easiest to understand for broad populations. And there are certainly things that health plans can do in terms of encouraging learning and CME. And these are sort of big picture things. And I think the health plans play a very important role there. If you go all the way down then to the individual doctor level, what are the few things that I as an individual doctor can do when I care for my patients? The teach back and the idea that we're doing 
two or three paragraphs worth of scientific information. What we advocate is that you chunk up information into small pieces and then check to make sure that the patient is following along through sort of mini teachbacks. So rather than giving the entire spiel and then saying, did you understand that? You would learn how to give the spiel in small chunks and then check understanding and a chunk and then check understanding. We have been talking with Dr. Ruth Parker and Dr. Matthew Winia about health literacy and the importance of effective communication with patients. Dr. Parker and Dr. Winia, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. You have been listening to Optimizing Outcomes in Chronic Care on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Optimizing Outcomes in Chronic Care is sponsored by the Managed Markets team at Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America as part of their Chronic Care Collaborative Initiative. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code CCC for Chronic Care Collaborative. Hi, I'm Mike Adato, the Director of Managed Markets for Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. I think we can all agree that the growth in chronic conditions is creating pressures affecting all healthcare stakeholders, including managed care organizations, employers, providers, and patients. It only takes a couple of statistics to demonstrate the enormity of this challenge. According to the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, more than half of people with private insurance have a chronic disease, and nearly 75% of all healthcare dollars go towards treating patients with chronic conditions. That equated to $1.7 trillion in 2007, and the challenge will continue to escalate. Now, in all honesty, these aren't new challenges, and over the last several decades, stakeholders have attempted various programs in an effort to address this burden. These experiments have revealed two major challenges. First, there is no one solution. It's a combination of coordinated steps that is needed to achieve the necessary savings to make the U.S. healthcare system more quality and cost-effective. Second, there is an information gap that hinders all of us from implementing proven, effective, and sustained change. To address these challenges, an informational clearinghouse that bridges stakeholder experience was sorely needed. The Chronic Care Collaborative is that clearinghouse. The Chronic Care Collaborative was created as a non-product-specific compilation of evidence and resources designed to support payers in implementing innovations that improve the management of their populations with chronic conditions. Many of the resources available through the Chronic Care Collaborative can be accessed at www.thechroniccarecollaborative.com. This easy-to-navigate clearinghouse contains valuable resources for your use within your plan and in communications with other stakeholders. The Chronic Care Collaborative is the beginning of the dialogue across payers and with employers, providers, and patients. And all of us within the Managed Markets Department of Takeda are committed to this initiative as our small step in addressing our mutual goal of improving the management of populations with chronic conditions. Thank you for listening to Optimizing Outcomes in Chronic Care. Takeda is proud to sponsor this important programming on ReachMD to help drive positive outcomes in the management of chronic conditions. 